Geopolitics and Empire is joined by dissident journalist and author Paul Kudenek, whose work appears at winteroak.org.uk, among other sites. You can download his latest book for free or purchase a copy, Converging Against the Criminocrats, Essays and Talks for the New International Resistance. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Hi, thanks very much, Kudenek. Thanks for coming on. I've been reading uh, your um articles following winter oak for the past few few years now ever since the event which must not be uh named and for me your analysis uh has been hitting things uh, on the head uh but you know b before continuing if you could just tell us briefly about uh yourself where you where you're coming from uh and winter oak uh, and so forth i'm now an independent journalist i've been work as a journalist for for many years, uh, 25 odd years, uh, just on a small local paper. And at the same time, I was a, an activist. Uh, 30 years I've been um, an anarchist, been calling myself an anarchist. Sometimes I think I need to reinvent, a find a different label for myself. It's confusion now because there's, there are anarchists out there who say what I'm saying. But uh, so anyway, I've just, for the, I've, I set up Winter Oak ago when i started publishing my books and um, the idea the idea originally it was just as a my books on more on political philosophy and ideas than anything but then such a lot has been especially over the last three or four years that i've i've found myself it's very much back in the sort of world of, of describing and trying to make sense of all this all the strange things that are happening around us in this world and and so you, your term for uh, what a lot of us uh, call, you know, I call Cobra Commander Klaus Schwab, the Great Reset, the elites. Um, you you've created a new term, uh, I believe, which I think is uh, excellent, criminocracy. Uh, and you, you describe one single worldwide criminal network behind the scenes running everything from WEF to the World Homicide Organization to the United Abominations and uh, uh, the EU, or what I like to refer to as the Fourth Reich or New European Soviet, BlackRock and, and uh, the World Bank. And maybe to get your thoughts on, you know, if, if you could further, and I totally agree with this with, with you, and if you could further sort of uh, ex explain uh, your thoughts on who's who's running this neo-feudal show. That's a big question, isn't it? Um, that's what I've been trying to find out. I, I wonder if I started at the point um, a few years ago of saying that there was there was this democracy. I mean, I you know I'd have had a critique more of a, a capitalism or you know something like that, but, but not imagining that it was quite as structured. And deliberately organised as it, 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 it certainly is, and it's only it's only through digging into different different areas, investigating different aspects of this uh, of this thing, this criminocracy that I've been able to establish that it exists. You know, for example, when I, you know, like everyone else, I was looking at Al Farm and the WF, and it's particularly to his uh, global young global um, papers, the global papers community, as he calls it. I think a community he has. A, Nice fluffy word as usual, and uh, then I was looking at the Commonwealth, and it's now King Charles's connections. And then I was, um, you know, then I was reading about the Rothschilds. <laughs> as a con as a consequence of some of the things I've been reading previously, particularly there's a, a couple of books about the First World War, which you might may know by Doctor McGregor, which uh, point to their 
the role of the Anglo-American establishment, as quickly calls it, in um, deliberately pre-planning and starting and prolonging the, the First World War for their own, not only for their own profit, but also for their uh, shaping of the, of the society, for society, in ways that would be further profitable for them and their empire. And uh, well, I guess that was, I, I suppose that is, it was really at that point that I realised that there wasn't, there was not just, was there a global empire, global system, organised jungle to with many, many different facets, but also that it was, it's a criminal organisation. It's, it is, it's just, it's just a mafia. It's a, one, a mafia gang that got so big that it's, it's taken over all the other mafia gangs in the earth and running everything. They can't let the, can't let the public know that because, um, you know, they're all, they're, they're all totally, um, depends on their, um, invisibility and on a, and on a creating taboos against pointing out who they are and what they're doing. And, and, and maybe to get your thought on the extent, uh, of their rule. I mean, it's, um, it's really total, um, it's you know you say the entire system is is taken over and i think even at the local level and just using my own personal experience you know myself being a citizen of the united states croatia and mexico and just during the last couple of years you're you, you know, i'm witnessing here even at the very local you know when, when we talk about WEF and the criminocracy you know we think okay it's it's kind of fuzzy this this image you know they control europe and and us and the big corporations the transnationals but when you look at like practical examples, like here in Mexico, they even have co-opted, you know, local mayors here, right? The governor um, who's carrying out their projects. And a, a lot of the big companies, most people here in Mexico buy from these transnationals, Walmarts, Coca-Cola delivers the water, uh, you know? And so just you, you, your further thought on really to the extent uh, that they have taken over the planet, and you also talk about something uh, called you you call it work order uh, progress. Yes, well, I'll, I'll come back to that last point in a minute. Then. But um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's very much local government. I mean, um, I don't know if you watch uh, UK column, and I mean Britain. Yeah, I mean they've been doing a lot of really good work on on exposing these structures that have been built in. The structures have been built in everywhere, the infrastructure. I mean, I wrote a piece about the development agenda, that development is built into everything. You must have development. And uh, it permeates every, every level of, uh, of institutional power. Um, well, yeah, as we see with the UK, with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, it's that same word again. Everything they do is advances on these rails. The same rails of, uh, of of the need for development, I think, and um, so they are, the, the public side is 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 pretty is pretty much completely sealed, controlled. Certainly, in, in, you know, in in France and Britain, and <laughs> I don't know if there are any stray countries around the world where that's not the case. Hopefully, there are, and the, uh, of course, the private side. We all know that um, the Black Rock Vanguard. State Street. I don't know if it's one entity. It certainly is. Um, it's a part of an intertwined um, 
overall entity, which is the same overall entity that controls the, the public side. So when you talk about, when we talk about this merger of public and private, well, in a way, it's, it's not a merger because it's already owned by the same monocracy that it is. In fact, they're becoming, it's becoming more open, more openly showing us that the same agenda pervades the, the uh, business, financial world, and the public institutional world. And so that uh, work order progress, that was, um, it was used by um, French, uh, it was Darman, one of the French Ministry of the Interior, I think it was, one of the member of the French, uh, Macron's French regime. Uh, and it seemed to be sort of replacing liberté, égalité, fraternité as the, uh, as sort of uh, the leitmotif of uh, governance in France. And it's, uh, I wrote a piece about it, breaking it down, showing how these themes were all very much themes dear to the, uh, the criminocracy and, and to the, the Rothschild Empire in particular. That's what I'd been researching, so I had uh, some material to hand to illustrate that. You know, another big work is all about the people to uh, exploiting people for their profits, and uh, order is keeping them in line and stopping them from uh, revolting or dissenting or being free in any way because you don't want your slaves running off the plantation. And then progress is the uh, is the technology and the industrial infrastructure with which they are hoping to advance, accelerate their their, their control and exploitation. So it's when you see these same, you say this, you see the same same theme emerging everywhere in all these all these organisations. Which is another way that you can tell they're the same thing without actually looking at who controls them. Just they use the same terminology, the same talking points, as they say, the same same agenda. And anyone who deviates from that agenda in any way is uh, is just complete terrorist or you know anti-Semitic uh, reactionary. Conspiracy theories, yeah, they've just got the usual. We all know this. Uh, they come a rather a very cliched list of insults that they, they mean about that. you got some, yeah, well, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. Um, but something else you also discuss, um, which I've read about, but I, I haven't discussed much in the past. I've had Alison McDowell on the program and she writes a lot about it, but uh, you, you use the term impact capitalism. Uh, or impact in, in investment, uh, and you know, if you could, for for people uh, listening, you know, just if, if you could just explain a bit what, and, and this is what they're using to 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 to, to take control. As you said, part of this development, uh, the way they want things to develop, they're using this impact, these impact investments, and impact capitalism. You know, any thoughts on that? Uh, it's a very very important subject. It's notoriously difficult for people to get their heads around. When I was, I'm very grateful to Alison McDowell's work. So two or three years ago, when she was, well, that's when I first came across the term was in her work. But um, once you know, uh, well, I'll, yeah, okay, well, I'll explain roughly what it is then, because people don't know. Uh, it's the um, it's privatization of uh, services that have um, recently, up until now, been carried out by states. Um, states, governments don't have any money, of course, because they're all heavily in debt to democracy. They, uh, they can't, they can't fund uh, 
that services that they should be funding, which is very convenient for people who'd like to uh, who'd like them to be black person to make money out of that, of course. And so, uh, so it's all very, it all works together very nicely. So they uh, they invest philanthropists or um, you know investors that that invest in 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 providing these services. Well, obviously, this is an investment. They're going to make some money out of it because people don't invest if there's no return. There is a there is so there were so they have to measure what the outcome of their investment is. Um, these investments are, are pretty much the subject matters that they are, that are deemed worthy of being invested in are very much aligned with the US and the UN SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, which is all those little bits of categories. You can see how it's, it sort of covers every every possibility. So it would be mental health or something, or you know, the environment. Obviously, help, helping people with with uh, handicaps or with um, you know, ethnic minority gender minorities and all, all these things so they, they put money into invest in supposedly helping these people whether they do or not is another question and the outcome has to be measured it has to be able to be has to be accessible otherwise they wouldn't know you know whether whether it work whether they're going to get trigger their rewards and uh, so that's where they that's where everything has to be online and so that's that's the inclusivity of the digital matrix where everything if they, i mean children's education has already gone a long way down that road, I know from, from what I've heard that everything is online. Everything can be measured, reduced to, to numbers on a on a virtual ledger. And uh, I find the other thing they do with um, they do with these um, impact investments is to to commodify them. They become tradable commodities, like uh, like uh, like the uh, subprime mortgages that were traded uh, just before the crash of two thousand and eight. People's lives are bundled up and then turn their products. So they're, they're basically creating a new market because their because their system is grinding to a halt. They've had to make new markets. So they, and then the color, the uh, commodification of nature is, is one of those where you know forests and fresh air and rivers are regarded as having some financial value that they can make more money on. And then uh, the same thing they're trying to do the same thing with our lives. Um, Particularly children's lives who are starting now because they've got a whole decades ahead of them of, 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 of using their success or their focus. They make money out of a child's failure as well if they're, if they're hunting against it. It's a, you know, because it's, it's speculating works both ways, isn't it? I can't remember. Was there a last point you asked me that I said I was going to come back to? No, I think, I think, I think that was it. And you, um, uh, that sounds like slavery when you think about it. You know, slaves back in the day had the price tag; they were bought and sold, and then kind of what you just described. This is um, they're trying to again put a price tag on us uh, for everything uh, that we do. Uh, and I, I did want to ask you; you already sort of mentioned it, and you've written about this: how the system, how they systematically um, disrupt, hijack, and destroy you know, any, any resistance, whatever movement, you know, as, as you, where you're coming from, whether it's anarchist or where others are coming from, whatever, you know, libertarian conservative, uh, left, we see now this, uh, the, 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 this new left, which is this monster. Uh, and then, you know, the old classical left, which, you know, people like CJ Hopkins, uh, who, who, who I've had on, who see things correctly. Um, but they, they just tend to disrupt everything. And I'm, you know things that I I get kind of annoyed with, which I you know I respect anyone who believes this, or, or you know maybe you do or don't. But th this idea of like 
uh, that viruses don't exist or, you know, d- different topics where now I've got people just this is all they want to talk about. And I'm like, guys, they're building this digital prison around us and we're wasting time squabbling. Uh, you know, it's classic divide and conquer. And so, uh, and and you've talked about how groups are infiltrated uh, and then steered away or broken apart. Uh, your thoughts on how the system is always hijacking and disrupting the, the resistance. Yeah, it does, it does do that all the time. And it's becoming, I've seen that in, in several spheres. I mean, uh, I mean, the big, big example for me was the, uh, was the environmentalist movement. Uh, it's been completely turned around from being a movement poorly influenced dictation of nature, a that loves nature, based on a love belonging to nature. Um, this is something that Corey Morningstar pointed out a few years ago, who's people will know who she is, the Canadian researcher. And uh, she, was, um, she pointed out that 10, 15 years ago, environmentalist websites pictures of, of, of trees or you know meadows or hills or mountains on them because that was what it was about birds <laughs> and now it's, it's pictures of um solar solar farms wind farms you know just it's technology it's been turned around from being a, a movement that's defending nature to being a the marketing wing of uh, the so-called sustainable development industry oh, uh, just, uh, Completely tragic, and it only talks about climate and so-called solution to the, the, the climate emergency, which all happened to be to have been keeping ready to be sold to us by the people funding the aforementioned environmentalist movement. But you know, that's all the same thing with anarchism. Because I was, I was involved, I was actually actively involved in the anarchist movement. Uh, it came to over there were a number of things happening up. Before COVID, but it came to a head in 2020 when they all immediately went along with the whole lockdown scenario and, and on silencing anybody who questioned it. I was really horribly abused and insulted on the internet uh, for, for, for daring to challenge the, 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 the state's the state's imperative on the on COVID by people who were who were Supposedly anarchists. Well, obviously, they weren't anarchists. I don't know if they're just gullible. Those people in particular were just gullible people who've been manipulated by somebody else who's infiltrated the movement and is feeding them these talking points. I'm not saying they're all literally employed by by some shady organisation, but the, but the thing as a whole has obviously been completely taken over by an agenda that is has nothing logically to do with the cause that it's you know it's supposed to be representing. And we see the same with the yeah the, the free the so-called freedom movement. Well, I was quite I was very encouraged with these this this you know the truth and freedom movement that emerged. All the people coming from very different backgrounds to mine they seem to be of, of one mind. But you know we've lately seen that uh, no you know it's a lot of that it's just it's just a, it's a plan. I don't know if it's a plan B or a plan C. I suppose we, they, having already captured the sort of mainstream right and the mainstream left, they're also and. You know, also mocking up all the anything, anything that emerges as a movement in opposition can be can be taken over because they've got unlimited amounts of money, and they've also got the uh, the, the infrastructure, the machineries of the state at their disposal. Really, you know, the only way you can not be uh, infiltrated is to is almost either just to work with people you know very well, 
but I, and you really just really trust or just to do your own thing and just be you know to collaborate with other people as long as they seem to be making sense and, and to be ready at any point to say no hang on it's not right i'm sticking to my own personal moral compass and my own personal understanding and i keep saying that whatever anybody else is about it yeah, and I, I, I've heard from others in, in this movement, they've told me themselves, you know, they would found uh, some anti, uh, you know, COVID campaign or something to start like an organization, uh, it'd be hijacked or taken over, or even podcasts, you know, um, this is a Serbian pod, big, huge Serbian podcast called Balkan Info, the founder of it was was kicked out, you know, his collaborators took over, um, they took a more pro state uh, approach. Uh, and so, uh, and I've heard this with other podcasts that are bigger that have multiple people working on it. And it's just time and time again, it's the same formula uh, repeated. And even the conservative movement, you know, they were taken over by QAnon, uh, you know, MAGA Trump madness. And it's just like, you know, I'm a conservative. I don't, I'm not a MAGA Trump or a QAnoner. And it's just like anything. They they just take it over and by the way i i did have cory morningstar on the podcast a couple of years back again uh people can check that out um and the the smear tactics you, you've you've also written about this but that they use against us you know the, uh, um there's one twitter account uh which i'll show on on screen it's called a serbic a serbic uh something he describes himself as an anti-fascist researcher and often these anti-fascists are are the real fascists so what he's doing is he's a literally a regime propagandist a defender of their corporatocracy he's coming out and singling out all of the dissidents you know the threats to the system uh and and there and he was trying just like you right he was trying to label me based on some of the guests that i you know i interview raw egg nationalist um and then tries to call me out you know he's uh i'm interviewing this neo-fascist uh, anti-Semitic, right, far right wing extreme guy, and trying to make me out to be like that. I interview radical Marxists uh, I've had on the program, and then I then they try to make me out again. I don't know how that logic makes sense that I interview a leftist and somehow I'm still like a far right extremist, even though I'm interviewing a radical Marxist. But um, it's just it's just crazy. And then they call you anti-Semite and all this stuff but you know you, you, your thoughts on these um I, I think people just have to grow a thick skin it's like it's it's their their use of this is is it's di diluting the terms and it's becoming meaningless but any thoughts on you know the the smear tactics recently had a kind of smear thing uh written, written against me and others which i mean it's just all the same yeah it's always the same it's always the same it's rubbish you know it's it's these, it's these insinuations and smear, yeah, it's, it's smear by association. Just if anybody, you know, if you, you once once appeared on the same, uh, on a podcast, uh, the week after somebody else appeared, who they can link to somebody who once, you know, 50 years ago, he was at a conference with, you know, it's just, well, there'll always be something. I mean, uh, you know, it's, you can't even, I mean, you can't even avoid, you could never avoid it. Nobody could ever avoid it. And if there wasn't something real, they'd make it up. And they just they just throw themselves. So this anti-Semitic thing is getting ridiculous. I mean, when people, when Jewish people are being called anti-Semitic, you know, and so it's just dying. It's, it's, it's no way you can you can say. I mean, obviously, I was called um, anti-Semitic on the basis of writing about Rothschilds, but you know, of course, they don't mention 
that I go great lengths in the pressures to this book that I brought out to say that I'm not at all against the Rothschild because they're Jewish. And in fact, it's more despite the fact that they're Jewish, partly because I know I'm going to get a lot of people calling me anti-Semitic if I mention them, but also because I don't actually want to, I don't want to whip up actual anti-Semitism. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to give ammunition to people who say, oh, it's the Jews. I want, I want people to actually um, distinguish between the Rothschilds and, and the rest of the Jewish global community behind whom they are in fact hiding in order to uh, disallow any criticism of their particular um, organisation, their, their mafia gang, I would call it. So it, it, just, it just how ridiculous it is. I don't know how, I don't know if they're going to keep, they can keep on working. They just, when they call everybody these names, you know, and I wouldn't take any. I wouldn't take any notice if I read somebody I liked was being accused by in sort of language. In fact, it'd, it'd be more of a recommendation to go find out why they were being attacked and uh, you know what they're actually saying. Yeah, and then, I mean the way that I look at it, for example, uh, we're not even looking at the, these details. You know, when we're looking at this power structure, as you as you call it, the criminocracy, and you've got the Rothschilds in there and whatever background they come from, and then in, within that same network is you know people like Prince Bernard of the Netherlands, uh, one of the founders of uh, Bilderberg, who was a Nazi. So it's like uh, this guy was a literal Nazi um, who's working in that same system as the Rothschilds. So again, it just it's all. Uh, rubbish uh as you say and, and to get your further thoughts then maybe on the the machinations of this criminocracy some of the things that they want uh to do i guess you know we can start maybe with uh you know my biggest fear uh i like to uh my favorite term for this digital transhuman control grid um is my past guest uh edwin black who calls it the algorithm ghetto uh, you know, he's he's Jewish historian using the the comparison of the Jewish the, the physical Jewish uh, ghettos that Jews were put into, and he's saying that what they are doing now is creating this digital ghetto that they're going to put us into, where they can literally close us off, and it'll have the same effect basically as the physical ghettos, where you won't be able to buy food, um, congregate, travel. Uh, you talk about the smart cities, the surveillance, digital ID. You know, there's there's the cashless system. My governor here in Mexico two weekends two weekends ago announced that where I am, our city will be the fourth in the world so far to advance resiliency. In fact, I live in a resilient city, what it's officially called. It's a smart city. It's I found the documents. We're actually financed by the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, he talks about you know as you said the SDGs, which I like to call sustainable democide goals. And he talks about a carbon neutral um, 2050, uh, which for me means, you know, removing energy uh, resources and, and neo-feudalism neo um, uh, more precisely. But, you know, you, you, in your book, uh, you also mentioned uh, it's uh, what they want to create. They want to shut, shunt us into a world of geofencing, e-carceration. Uh, and that's no joke, you know. Over the weekend, there was a story how prisons in Pakistan now are using digital ID to monitor <laughs> monitor inmates. So, your 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 thoughts on some of the things that they're trying to carry out? I think you got it right. Then. Yeah, they're um, the smart cities is the uh, is the obvious is the obvious thing. But they talk a lot about. I mean, you, you know, the United Nations. It is. Um, Produced a, uh, 
a booklet about that, which I wrote about, called Centering, Centering People in Smart Cities, which is which is pretty much the same as concentrating. You know, it's, 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 the, it's the same concept, even if it's not the same word. And um, I'm sort of fairly open about it. And we saw the, the sort of the attempt with COVID to, to bring in all this stuff with the, all the apps, tracing apps and, and the rest of it. And then, then they've then they tried the same thing with the... Um, they tried the same thing with the, uh, the the so-called green fifteen-minute cities and the rest of it. And there's also a proposition for the uh, the Paris um, 2024 Olympics that in certain parts of the uh, of the Olympic city, residents uh, will have to uh, give QR codes on their uh, on their smartphones, to, uh, in order to, to walk, you know go down the down, down the road from their house to the shops because they're at special security zone, I suppose, in, in this instance, the threat of terrorism would be the pretext. But, they just, you know, it, it's so obvious that they, this thing that they're just itching, itching to bring it in and, you know, well, 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 this, this will be the real next reason. They don't think of something else next, you know, if none of that works. They just... Uh, Tony Blair, who was, um, you know, I wrote about recently, he was, like, he was very unpopular for a number of reasons in Britain, particularly the Iraq war, but also because he tried to bring in ID cards, which don't exist in... Um, in Britain, still, but uh, obviously that was the f- that was the necessary first step. You know, before bringing in digital ID, was to actually have ID that you had to carry and get people used to the idea. Uh, so it's, it's a long term agenda. It is the next stage. Yeah, it, 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 that, there we are regarded as, as just just nothing, nothing more but than slaves to be shunted around and uh, exploited in some way or other. It's, it's really, it's really horrific. It's really horrific. It makes me, you know, anybody who's understood it is makes you make you feel very angry and disgusted and, uh, and determined to speak out against it because the, it's, a, it's a very grim future indeed for for uh, especially for future generations if they get away with this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a total Soviet system. Like it's totally alien to, to many of us. Like to to, to have an ID card, like. I, you know, it's it's literally like making us cattle cattle tax, right? And so the government um, can identify us and and do w- w- with us what they like. You know, all of these measures that they want to put in. And I often leave the home without a, you know, smartphone. So uh, I like I, I we still haven't had I still haven't had to really deal with this uh, yet. You know, maybe you go to some restaurants and the menu is only QR codes, and I'm like, I don't have a smartphone, and they look at me and they're like. I just scanned the QR code. After I said I don't have a smartphone, that, that's it. it's just not. It's just absolutely nuts. And so, but you know, they, they will they'll force you to have a smartphone to do anything. Uh, you know, the, if if they get their way, as you say, and and um, maybe your thoughts on a, a bit on the geopolitics. You know, this talk of World War Three, what's happening in in, in Ukraine and, and Israel. I kind of I kind of see these as multiple fronts of the same program. And uh, my view, and I'm I'm reading they they write in their own. Uh, in their own writings, they say that they would use, they're trying to use all these things that we're discussing to bring about um, global government, right? Or global governance, wh- whatever you want to call it. Uh, and they talk about using limit, multiple um, limited wars or, 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 you know, limited war theaters to finally get people to relinquish uh, sovereignty and say, okay, we'll do whatever the global system tells us, you know, the UN and WHO. Um, do you have any thoughts on this hype uh, 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 of World War III, um, or do you think they're just it's just fear porn? 
Well, they're certainly capable of, um, of waging world wars for their uh, for their benefit. And then both of them were used to, to advance a globalist agenda, of course, because they, after the First World War, the League of Nations was launched, didn't work. So they tried again, you know, no, because, because, well, we can't have this again. It was the war to end wars. Now we must have global peace and understanding and cooperation. Same with the United Nations after the Second World War. Then they're doing the same, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's a bit higher, really, the way they use the same techniques again. So it's either, either a real war or a threat of war. There, is, there are real wars going on. But, uh, and it's, oh, yeah, we can see, you can see it coming, can't you? Now we've got, now we've got to have a, a new, oh, we've got to have a new, uh, a new global order. Uh, essentially is what they mean. And it's going to be um, run by, I don't know, Greeks and the UN or something. It's not going to be the same as the old one. Don't worry. You know, there's there's all baddies. That's all the thing of the past now. Just the same way as uh, Germany was defeated. And, uh, you know, just ignore the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of the most important people, from scientists to the general, went over and worked for NATO straight after the war. You know, you're not supposed to have noticed that. It's a flight of hand. So it'll be just the same thing again. And I, I know that you... I mean, I think the BRICS thing is just... a it's just a joke. They're not even, they're not really properly hiding it. You know, with, with that Johannesburg declaration, this earlier, just a few months ago, wasn't it? And uh, September, I think, of the BRICS meeting, where they're, they're calling, openly calling in their declaration for, for global governance and, and mentioning the, the old sustainable development goal 21 times or something in the, in the document. So it's, it's just, they're just transferring, transferring the, um, that centre of operations, the geopolitical base, as you know, and uh, and trying to use the, what the conflicts are handling as, a, as a, an excuse for ramping up the global level of control. That's how I'd say it. And, and just a bit further on that, you know, uh, you've written that that BRICS uh, has long been in the grasp of the criminocracy and they are spearheading his current insidious agenda and other guests of mine agree you know i had on former moldovan um uh politician yuri roshka professor william i robinson who's you know a leftist um marxist even has come out recently he's been a guest of mine and he's come out and yeah you know, he looked at the data and and bricks and multipolarity it's it's not some alternative it's it's part of the same um you know clap capitalist globalist system and the same the BRICS leaders you know the she's china uh the russian oligarchy they're carrying out the same exploitative um system and we saw you know that they're deploying qr codes and they're pushing the injections and they're uh, forcing digital passports and surveillance you know russia wants to roll out five million facial recognition cameras uh, the, the the whole project is the same, and what I don't understand is some folks, let's say in the resistance, I, I I make two categories: some that are I think well-meaning, but they have this myopia, like they're deluded. They're like completely pro multipolarity, and Putin is going to save us, and Xi Jinping. Whereas others, I feel, are compromised. They're probably getting paid. Uh, I don't do not doubt this that you know Russian government and Chinese and others are financing some Western alternative media to promote this narrative, uh, and and these resistance fighters maybe maybe truly believe this and they like getting the money, or maybe some do it just for money. Whereas others, 
you know, are true believers, but they kind of avoid this subject about how multipolarity is implementing the same program. And, and any further thoughts on this? I want to see do they? I mean, yeah, there are some who've been paid, but the others, the others, it's just, it's just uh, if you've been, I mean, I understand if you're, a, if you've been a lifelong opponent of um, Western imperialism and you've spent, you know, a long time seeing through all the lies of NATO, you know, you obviously, I mean, I, I, I was always, I'd have, I'd have put myself in that, in that sort of area, but um, how you can then just automatically imagine that the other side it believes that there is another side and automatically imagine that it must be good because it's not us and then and willfully ignore the, the mountains of evidence that there is you know that, that um what well, did you, you know they can't be looking they can't be looking even at the at the BRICS group's own statements if they really believe that it's a, it's an alternative oh yeah set up a different bank yeah the new development it's called, cool, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but, but it's, it's still it's still part of the uh, the world the world work. It's all it's all the same thing. It's just it's just it's just like an internal reorganisation. Just sort of some giant company decides to you know, it's going to for now on next year exciting new development. We're going to shift our base of uh, operations to the the other side of the country or to to, to a different place somewhere else. But, but it's a bit of the same managers are going to be deployed in the, in the, in the new network and all it's going to and it's going to have the same aims and do the same things and it's uh you know, it, it's, it's nothing to get excited about unfortunately but it's, it's a depressing it's a depressing realization perhaps that's what it is it's difficult difficult people for people who've, who've placed their hope on, on on this thing the, the good change that is going to end the current nightmare system it's difficult for them to accept that oh, it's, it's not that at all going to have to, you know, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get out of this than that. That's for sure. Well, it's not getting us out of it at all. It's, it's really pushing us deeper into it, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, like you, I've out for since I started um, learning about politics, you know, twenty whatever years ago. I, I was always anti-American empire, anti-empire, anti-NATO, um, anti-you know, transnational corporations, oligarchy, all of that stuff. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm just gonna go run any other direction. It's, there, it's, there's no good guys, really. It's all bad guys. We're stuck in between a rock and a hard place, and it, you just, I can't avoid seeing it. It's like they're using the same tricks, the same people. So it's like, okay, you know, maybe for a second I might believe bricks and multipolarity is. Then you look, oh, you know, bricks was coined by a young uh, global leader, uh, Goldman Sachs banker. Um, and as you say in their own statements, where they're pushing sustainable democide goals. So no one wants to pull out of the climate accords or anything like that in any of these other countries. And so, but you know, some of these people say, well, the, the, look at their actions and their rhetoric. So China and, and, and other countries are building out nuclear power plants and coal. So by their actions, they're not really matching with their words. But um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, where do we go from here? Where, are you optimistic, pessimistic? Uh, you know, the, the, these people aren't exactly all powerful. Their projects do fail or get delayed. Uh, where, you know, your thoughts on the road ahead with the criminocracy? I think they've got weaknesses, uh, despite having all the money and having stitched up all these different institutions. And I think the weakness is that they, they have to remain invisible. They have to, people have to believe in the, in the superficial narrative in order to go along with it. I, I think of all the, you know, all the, all these people were 
actively involved in the the environmentalist movement, which is being kind of being captured. They have to believe that it's a real environmentalist movement. If ever it becomes apparent, even to the most uh, to the most uh, linked activists that they're actually being used for another purpose, then that movement will just crumble away. They can't unless they're actually going to employ thousands and thousands of people to take part. I think they rely on people believing their lies, which is why they tell a lot of lies all the time, and why Klaus Schwab wrote a book about a narrative, and also why they're so paranoid about people challenging their lies, you know, conspiracy theorists and disinformation and misinformation, because they know that if, if, if it could crumble, that the, the, the narrative could crumble. And then the same also applies for people, um, supposing you're working for the, uh, for the British I say British because that's where I come from. Uh, somebody who works for the British government, British state, right? Uh, in the intelligence services or something, and thinks that they're doing it for their country because presumably that's why people do it. They think because they're patriotic and they, you know, they don't they, they don't want the well-being of, the, of Britain to be uh, subverted by, uh, you know, communists or fascists or whatever, whatever they think they're working against. And then they, uh, you know, then they realise. Uh, in fact, no, it's you know, it's not, it's not, it's not the, the king, uh, you know, it's not the, the crown in a benign sense of standing for the British people. It's actually a, a, a criminal organization which has taken over the British state. And the same for somebody in any other country who realizes that the thing called their nation isn't really representing the, uh, the interests of the people in that nation that they might have always assumed was the case. Are they going to carry on? Are they going to carry on doing the dirty work that people they can plainly see are a bunch of crooks? I think that'll be the deal. Yeah, you know, in the in the early days, I did have on the podcast it's in the archive Annie Mashon, uh, MI five uh, whistleblower. She was one of those people who said, you know, well, I'm working for MI five, and uh, we're supposed to be uh, fighting against terrorism, and then she learns that. Uh, MI5 or MI6, I forget, it gives 100,000 British pounds to Al-Qaeda to carry out a terrorist attack. I think it was in an attempt to take out Gaddafi, which failed, but it's still, it's like, she's like, wait a minute, we're supposed to be fighting Al-Qaeda, but we're giving them money to carry out uh, terrorism. So, uh, it's, and, you know, she she, she quit. Um, but your th- something that concerns me now is now all, all the Western countries are attempting to label any dissent as terrorism, domestic terrorist extremism. Last year, the Department of Homeland Security in the U.S., uh, myself being a U.S. citizen, they told PayPal to ban me under this same uh, idea now, which they're developing politically. Um, they consider uh, w- what I'm doing now as a non-kinetic threat and that I am attacking the cyber infrastructure of the United States through words, I guess, uh, you know, uh, telling the truth, malinformation, you know, truth, uh, truthful information that is uh, that the government <laughs> doesn't like. But now you see in Ireland, Canada, everywhere, they're passing this hate speech laws where now for a thought crime, you can be fined or uh, jailed. This is very concerning. This is like true Orwell now where thoughts will be criminalized. You, 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 <laughs> Your, your your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. It's 
I just, um, I picked up 1984 again yesterday. So I'm going to read this again. I last read it, you know, I read it about eight, seven or eight years ago, but I thought it's worth regular rereadings just to remind yourself of, of how close it is to the way we're going. Yeah, I mean, I mean they've been trying to label dissent as terrorism for, for a while now, but they're, they're certainly ramping it up. I mean, when they brought in, in Britain, they brought in uh, anti terrorist legislation. I think it was before 9 11, actually. Yeah, it was in, in 2000, 2000, which was quite obviously to me was a response to the uh, growing um, well, the globalization movement at the time. There was a lot, there was a lot of, a lot of protests and that feeling, a sort of an end of, I thought it was a sort of end of millennium feeling as well, that things were going to change. And it was, there were a lot of young, fairly young people out in the streets and there was that feeling that the system might be cracking. And then they brought in the terrorism act, which clearly wasn't really aimed at terrorism at all. It was um, it was aimed at um, dissent. And then um, I mean, people are stopped. I well, if it's stopped, uh, detained at a port, uh, coming back into in Britain under the terrorism under terrorism legislation. And I had an argument with them actually that they were special branch police. But uh, well, I don't know that they knew they are more uncomfortable with terrorism. But see, as I was saying, when they knew that, they knew that. So it was just like, oh, yeah, but the protest might get out of hand. You yeah, know, we were planning a, a protest against the G8. And, well, that's not terrorism, is it? Even if it does get out of hand, it was, you know, scuffles with the police. Or, you know, it's the, the very most that would have been more likely people being hit by batons by the police. But, uh, so it's, it's just an ongoing thing, and they said, you know, the fact that they they're getting away with it is a bit alarming. There don't seem to be the voices speaking out against it in, in the media and so on that we we, we did have ten years ago. Even. Yeah, and a few other recent a few other recent examples, you know, Kit Clarenberg, who I've had in the program, um, he's from the UK. Account he was he recently went back for a visit and counter terror. Um, I don't even know what to call them. Counter-terror uh, officers held them for like six hours. Craig Murray, former British ambassador, came back mm -hmm. from Iceland. Same thing happened to him. The, you can see, I mean, Kit Clarenberg and Craig Murray, I mean, he's a former diplomat. Uh, Kit Clarenberg's a journalist. They're not terrorists. And so it's it, it, perfect examples of what you just um, said. It's 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 not for terrorists. The, the real terrorists is, is are our governments. It's, this is state uh, terrorism. Thoughts on, you know, the resistance, the way forward, what, uh, you know, we can do to stave off this global tyranny, uh, you know, poke holes in their diabolical schemes and whatnot. Thanks. Um, obviously, you have to keep on talking about what they're doing and exposing it. To, uh, to as many people as we can, not just online either, but to uh, lots of people in wherever it is that we live and work. And, uh, well, that's, yeah, that's what I said. Their, their narrative can be undermined, it can be broken. At the same time, we've got to um, think about practically trying to get free from their, from their control. Okay. Not, not something you can do just uh, overnight, obviously, but uh, to start working in networks to, to seek out self-sufficiency, for example, getting off, getting off grid as much as possible, getting off um, 
not being not being dependent, growing your own food, living in communities that are not um, are not just sort of slave camps. But I mean, resisting what they're going to do next. I mean, because inevitably uh, there's going to be coercion involved because they're going to be holding uh, people off the land, for example, and into, into smart cities. So even just a simple thing of saying, no, I'm not moving, you know, I'm not going to have to, you know, there's a lot of very successful campaigns have been built around this staying put, like when they're trying to pull those uh, whole neighbourhoods with a motorway on, where the freeway or whatever people call it, you know, in their wearing big roads through, is to, uh, you know, just to stay there and queue the mood and barricade it and... And that even those simple acts of, uh, of resistance inspire other people. They, they make visible a process which wouldn't be visible if you all just said, oh, what can we do? Oh, well, oh, I'll go, you know, I'll have to go along with it. Oh, I'll, I'll be in trouble or I'll be in prison or whatever. Which is really, people, I think we've all just got to draw a line in the sand and say, no, we're not going, we're not going into your dystopian digital world. You know, you'll have to, you'll have to take us out first. We're not doing it. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the true tried and true method uh, in, in history. And I agree with everything that you say, wherever we are, uh, do things locally, uh, do the things we're doing in the metaverse now digitally, uh, work locally, uh, and make these sacrifices, right? Uh, I know people during COVID uh, chose to get fired instead of complying, uh, which is what the things that we need to be doing um you know are, are there any other things that you that are important on, on on your mind uh that i haven't brought up not off the top of my head no no not quite not. <laughs> yeah well people then can you know if you, if you have any final any final thought uh for us and again you know i follow you on uh x now formerly twitter and your website winteroak.org.uk uh i'm actually i think i'm subscribed to your email list and so i regularly read your uh analysis which is uh fantastic uh and so you know any final thought uh and then let us know where are the best places to uh find you and and, and projects and whatnot i suppose my final thought would be that it's uh i do feel it's a incredibly important moment in history, in fact, and the scale of what is facing us is, is so am amazing. It's so shocking that it's unprecedented it's sometimes, and the, the lack of opposition to the lack of effective opposition, because our opposition is not always being novel, can be uh, it's concerting. And I, I really think we, you know, now is the time. In a way, we're, we're lucky to be living at this moment because it's a time where we can we can actually make a difference. Every, every one of us, everybody listening to this, can make a difference. And, and I, if we can create a sort of momentum, I, what I'd like to see, I think we can create a momentum, a spiraling momentum of energy, of resistance to this thing that will bring it down. And I, I've got a, a strong spiritual conviction. By doing so, we're channeling and forces of life and good itself and you know which is really it's got to come from deep within all of us that that love the love right of life and and um freedom and uh, truth and uh, beauty and all those real values that, under, that undermine humanity that have been smothered and corrupted and hidden by these 
and sort of venal group of crooks that are running everything. All of that it comes out millions and millions of people across the world. They all just, of course, we can bring down their system because there's not actually that many of them when it comes to it. And they, they you know, they're relying on lies and money to do it, to maintain their rule. And I think that truth, freedom, and humanity is a lot stronger than lies and money. So people shouldn't give up. We should accelerate our efforts. Yeah, definitely, do, definitely do not give up. I totally uh, agree with you. You know, with with full force, throw your body right on the levers. Um, and yeah, uh, and uh, again, where, where where do we best go to 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 find uh, you? I know people can donate. They can buy your books. You, some of the, some of them are downloadable for free. Uh, uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, they're all downloadable for free. Actually, all my books. Mm-hmm. That's on winteroak.org.uk. I've also got a Substack. Well, it's just it's the uh, same articles basically, but it's uh, a different way of consuming them, I suppose. <laughs> and then uh, there's also a site that I that I do called Organic Radicals. That's on WordPress, orgrad.wordpress.com. And that's um, that's there's not so much into the uh, current affairs. It's uh, it's about nine ninety or over ninety thinkers there profiled who fit into this. Thing that I call that radicalism, which is sort of my version of anarchism. That's just, um, they're quite a diverse range. So a lot of reading there. If anybody wants some, uh, wants to get some stuck in with some, um, some political philosophy. All right. Well, the links are in the description and i uh, always you know uh, urge people to subscribe to bookmark or subscribe to the email list and do check out paul's latest book uh on the criminocrats converging against the criminocrats uh thank you for being on geopolitics and empire thank you very much i hope you enjoyed this geopolitics and empire podcast the website is geopoliticsandempire.com and i encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines the newsletter and website are our last lines of defense we're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find geopolitics and empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our pro account. The best free way to help Geopolitics and Empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.